But when you build an entire structure that creates, affirms, and monetizes that idolization, you can't say you don't want to be idolized. I didn't tell Nathan this at the time. I knew that the place that my husband got his paycheck from was going to be in the news. Someday I was going to wake up and I was going to see their name there. This is Amy Fritz, and you're listening to Untangled Faith, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. Hey guys, hello, welcome to Untangled Faith. Today I'm excited to share personally some of my story and introduce you to a really good friend of mine. I am particularly excited about this. Oh, before I jump in, let me tell you, thank you so much for listening. Last week, it broke a first day download record for me. And I'm so glad you're still listening that you didn't move on when I took a little break. So here's my story. I guess I'm doing this, right? I guess it's too late to turn back. Last week, I mentioned that within less than a two-year period, our family left our church and my husband resigned from his job at Ramsey Solutions the organization owned by Dave Ramsey, who is known for his radio show and resources on personal finance. It was a job that both of us in various ways had heavily invested in. Obviously, Nathan was more invested than I was since that was his job. If you haven't breathed the air of Ramsey Solutions, it's probably hard to understand why a spouse would feel so invested Would you believe it if I told you, though, that I had to go through an interview in order for my husband to be hired there? The fact that this crossed healthy boundary lines didn't even occur to me. I happily sat for a Zoom spousal interview from our basement in Minnesota. And not long after Nathan was hired, I took over admin duties of the Lampo Ladies Facebook group. And it was a group of women who either worked at Lampo or whose husbands worked there. And as a part of your primer and all things Ramsey, I should clarify, because this is a little bit confusing, is that the legal name of the business is the Lampo Group. And that's why the name of the Facebook group was Lampo Ladies. I was all in. (laughs) I didn't work for the company, but I spent a good amount of time helping welcome new women into the community. And I happily did it. So in today's episode, I am joined by my good friend, Melissa J. Hogan. Not only is she a dear friend who walked her own parallel journey with Ramsey Solutions with her own personal story, but she's the author of a book about medical trauma that releases next month called Afraid of the Doctor. And she's a lawyer, rare disease awareness advocate, and she consults on clinical trial design and patient outcome measures. She is one of the smartest and kindest people I know. In today's episode, we're going to share with you the different events happening in the American evangelical world and the voices and resources God used to open both of our eyes to realize we were at an organization that was unhealthy. 
These are also resources that helped us make sense of all of this after we were on the other side of our connection to the organization. By way of a little background that will help set the stage, Melissa and I met and became friends in early 2016. Both of our spouses worked for Ramsey Solutions at the time. In late 2018, early 2019, during my family's most intense questions regarding Ramsey Solutions, Melissa was dealing with significant trauma that was very much tied to the organization. And to protect her friends, she ghosted all of us for months. This is the answer to the question. How did you first realize something was wrong? It's a story of a slow realization that unfolded over months and years. It's a story of moving from intentionally looking away from the truth to being willing to stare it straight in the face. I know this is a conversation that will be so valuable to you. In fact, we had so much to say. We're breaking this into two episodes. Here's part one of my conversation with Melissa. There were definitely a lot of things that God used. And I go, well, look at that. I would have never recognized a lot of the patterns if I hadn't started seeing the patterns beforehand. And even then it still took me a while. I would say that our Venn diagram overlaps a bit, but we had our own separate paths of figuring that out. I am interested in learning things. I am interested in church culture. That brought me to a few resources that were really helpful to me later. And I was like, oh my goodness, we just came through a really spiritually abusive situation. I wasn't able to identify it at the time, but I can say I knew that. I think I realized that because of some things I'd seen before. Melissa and I may jump around a bit in this timeline, so I want to put this all into context for you. We're a few years removed now, and you may not know or remember this, but 2018 through the beginning of 2019 was a time of huge, disappointing news in the American evangelical world. Two high-profile pastors were revealed to be grossly disqualified to be pastors, Bill Hybels and James McDonald. This all happened to coincide with God opening my eyes and Melissa's to many uncomfortable overlaps between these pastors and their ministries with what we were observing with Dave Ramsey and his business, Ramsey Solutions. At the very beginning of 2018, when I was still mostly naive to the coming storm and how it might impact me personally, I read The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb by Kyle Strobel and Jamin Gogan. It had a huge impact on me. One of those things was that book, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. And it's out of print right now because they're they're editing it because there was a chapter in there on somebody that they really felt was a faith hero that they found out was an abuser. It looks like they told the publisher to pull the book. Which is rare to have that integrity to say, lose money possibly lose credibility in some ways because you're you're an author and your book's gone. To do that in order to honor the victims of that person that you mentioned in your book. In the book said, here is something we're seeing the difference between how evangelical American church culture is doing ministry and how it doesn't seem to fit with the model of what we see of Jesus doing ministry. And I think that book 
at least in my timeline, that book was after I'd already seen these other Christian abuse scandals start to be exposed. That book was part of putting a framework on what was actually happening. And Wade Mullen, um, Wade Mullen's dissertation, how many people sit down on a Friday night and put three hole punch a dissertation and start reading it. Watching the Bill Hybels scandal come out. And for people who are listening to this, who don't know that Bill Hybels was the pastor of Willow Creek and the leader of this leadership association that was influential in tons of Christian evangelical churches. And Willow Creek had thousands and thousands of people attending that church in the Chicago area. So Melissa read the book after the Hybels debacle. I read it two months prior to the situation with Hybels. And it turns out he was a sexual predator. I mean, he was an influential pastor at the same time that he was sexually abusing women under his care as a pastor. And that started to be exposed. And it turns out these women had gone to the church and were branded as liars and that they were trying to bring him down and bring the church down and eventually had to go to the press because no, they were not being believed. To watch that whole situation play out, then to watch Rachel Denhollander expose what was happening there and the backlash that had happened. Most know Den Hollander as the courageous whistleblower whose testimony led to the conviction of USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser. But that wasn't the only abuse she spoke up about. She also spoke out against abuse in her own church community. If you were watching this all play out, and we were, it was eye-opening to see how with Rachel's church and in the situation with Hybels, the organizations both moved to protect themselves instead of listening to the victims. So to watch the dynamics of those two. And then after that, the Harvest Bible Chapel, James McDonald, and just this very visceral level of control and re-victimization that the church entity and its leaders did to people. The book, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb, put a framework on what was happening. And revealed that to be nothing like Jesus. Yeah. You found that book after all that had happened. I read it before all those things had happened. When you saw all that news, Melissa, what were you thinking? Did you believe those accounts? When your family pays their bills from income that comes from access to the large platforms of evangelicalism, seeing platforms crack or leaders come crashing down, I couldn't help but notice. I wondered what Melissa thought at the time. I kind of follow a practice. This is the lawyer coming out in me. Believe, but verify. I read all of this. And strangely enough, I had started following Boz Chvigian on Twitter, who is an abuse advocate who founded Grace, Godly Response to Abuse in the Christian Environment. And I have to believe that God led me to that because I can't figure out how I started following him. At some point, followed Julie Royce, who's a reporter who exposes a lot of the abuse happening in the church. And when I saw this, you read it, I take my brain automatically looks for well, where's the evidence? Where are the facts? You know, objective evidence, whether it's documentation, you know, recordings, you know, where's the evidence? And then also where are the patterns? Because if you have one isolated incident, and then you, you can look for the evidence. But when you have a consistent pattern 
of the same thing happening over and over again to multiple people, especially people who aren't connected or who haven't heard each other's stories, the likelihood of that being false is minuscule. In a lot of these situations, you had both. You had evidence, actual objective things that verified what happened and verified people's stories, or you had extra witnesses that they had told at the time. And then you had the patterns. When that stuff exists and people turn a blind eye, that is just willful ignorance. That is something I think that makes God's heart grieve. Yeah. I could feel this nervousness inside of me Mm -hmm. as I watched that stuff come out. As you know, I was married to a Christian speaker in a Christian speaker world of Dave Ramsey. And you see this stuff come out and you want to be objective about it. You don't want to drag someone through the mud who is being falsely accused. I had actually written a blog post a couple of years before that, when Jen Hatmaker had come out as affirming of gay marriage. And there was this huge hubbub of pulling her books and people talking about it. And I wrote a blog post that talked about the problem isn't that Jen Hatmaker has come out as affirming gay marriage. The problem is that we care so much as a public what a Christian celebrity is doing and believing. And so I already struggled with the fact that people look at certain Christian leaders as idols, yeah. frankly. And it, and it was a really strange place to be because my husband at the time was one of these people and people were like that about Dave Ramsey and all the people that worked there. So I already had a stirring in my spirit that something is not right with that, this yeah. idolization. And someone could say, oh, I don't want to be idolized. But when you build an entire structure that creates affirms and monetizes that idolization, you can't say you don't want to be idolized. We were in that same situation, not as closely tied to that world, but also at Ramsey, Nathan's getting his paycheck from a place that really benefits from that celebrity platforming. By the time the situation with Hybels happened, I had entertained the idea that there were possible issues. All this information was sort of informing. And sometimes I'd let it in and sometimes I wouldn't. Like 2016-ish, we'd come out of a hard church situation. I was really trying to make sense of it. I had decided that the issue was narcissism. I happened to run across Diane Langberg's YouTube video narcissism and the system it breeds. I listened to it several times. I took notes on it <laughs> because of course that's just I, what I, I know did. you did because by the time I ran across that video, yeah. which was I think early 2019. Yeah. I like, said was it like three years later. Yeah. This video this explains it all. And you said, oh I know. I've watched that video and I took notes. But here's the thing I was thinking about it in relation to our church situation and I told Nathan, Nathan, you need to come in here and you need to listen to this because this explains how an unhealthy pastor can leave a church. It could still seem like something's wrong. He, this is going to blow his mind. I bring him into the bedroom, push play on the video, and I'm sitting there and I'm just watching him watch it. And then at a certain point, he turns to me and he says, you know, this is Ramsey, right? And I was like, oh. My brain all of a sudden was- it was cracking, right? Like yeah, that like- cracking sensation when you realize, oh my gosh, a part of my world is about to fracture. This incident was a crucial moment for us. I had to decide if I was willing to see the truth or not. 
I wasn't ready to fully see it. But God still used the tiny crack of an opening to shine in some light and put me in a better place of being able to see the full truth later. My brain was like, nope. Don't look over there. Don't look. You might actually have to do something. I did not want to see it, but I couldn't unsee it. I didn't dwell on it all the time, but it was still there. As time goes by and we're watching things happen with Harvest Bible, Bibles was first and then Harvest Bible. By the end of 2018, when Harvest Bible was really imploding and I'm following along and reading the really big article that Julie Royce had in World Magazine. And I read it and I got to the end of it. And I didn't tell Nathan this at the time. I knew that the place that my husband got his paycheck from was going to be in the news someday. I was going to wake up and I was going to see their name there. There were too many things that aligned with things that have already been exposed in other places. And you go, that exists here, that exists here, that exists here. I didn't tell anyone. And strangely, that coincided with a lot of other parts of the story that you started to uncover, you started watching it play out in front of you. I had no idea that realization would play out so personally for us so soon. In fact, a week after the World Magazine article about McDonald, unknown to me, Ramsey Solutions was trying to figure out how to handle a very traumatic family situation with Melissa, and they were doing all the self-protection, image control things I had been reading about. Your, yeah. your fear and certainty that that's what would happen. You watched it play out. Within a couple of months of that, Nathan and I were really figuring out something was really wrong. And we are trying to figure out if it was salvageable or if we just didn't understand something. All of these resources I was processing in the middle of, are we going to have to leave another place that is turning out to be what we did not want it to be or did not think it would be. I just was reading what I could find online from Diane Langberg. We have to pause for a second. Yeah. And just say what a gift Diane Langberg is to the church and to individuals. She is a prophetic voice right now in the church that we sorely need, seeking to expose things that are not of the Lord and to help refine the church to be what it's supposed to be. I am so thankful for her. I am so thankful for Boz. I'm so thankful for Julie Royce because they are truly doing the work of Jesus, holding a mirror to the church. One of the things that I started to see and one of the things I started to see in Ramsey is a lack of integrity. And when we say integrity, we think of being honest or, you know, deceitful. And I don't mean it in that way. I always think of integrity as being the same. You know, it comes from the word integer, which is whole. I look at it as being the same person all of the time. Being who you say you are in private, in public, same thing for an organization. I sometimes get these red flags or discernment radars, and you can't really put a finger on it. I've now learned that it is this subconscious sense that something is not the same all the time. This person is not the same person to me as they are to somebody else. They're not the same person in private as they are in public. This organization is not the same in private as it is in public. And that lack of integrity is what I started to see 
in Ramsey Solutions, bucketfuls, yeah, and see in individuals that yeah. made me so concerned. So we were processing this separately, partly because I didn't want to say anything. You're not allowed to say negative things about the company to someone that cannot fix it. You certainly aren't allowed to go talk to your friends who are also connected to the organization and talk about your concerns. We talked about Hybels when he imploded. And then you were in a real crisis situation end of 2018, beginning of 2019, where you were not able to talk about what you're working through, but we're working through some similar things. You're having serious, really deep trauma experiences and just working things out. A lot of it connected with this organization. We weren't comparing notes at this point, but what were you reading end of 2018, beginning of 2019, that God had prompted me in the summer of 2018 to start reading whole books of the Bible in one sitting. I ended up going through most of the Bible that way, but I would sit down, you know, whether it was a short book that only took me 20 minutes or, you know, the gospels take about three hours, I would say. So I was just reading whole books of the Bible to really understand who Jesus was and is. And understand what God's plan was, what his calling on my life was. And then as it went into 2019, I was reading the Psalms. And then I started reading a chronological Bible that was given to me. So those were like the foundation of what I was reading. And I think obviously the most important thing of what I was reading, you know, I was also reading books on trauma. You know, I have a book coming out in July of this year on medical trauma called Afraid of the Doctor. As I was writing that with an incredible co-author who's a pediatric psychologist. As I was writing that, I was reading books on trauma and specifically the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And I'm reading this book and feeling overwhelmed with grief and recognition. And that's when I started to recognize, wait a second, there is something seriously wrong in my life. All of these things that the book is talking about are things that I'm feeling and recognizing I could only read a little bit at a time. It was, I would start crying in the middle of reading chapters. I'm now actually reading it for a second time. And it still is, is quite difficult. As time went on in 2019, I started reading a lot more because you're trying to make sense of these patterns. There's the evidence and the patterns. There's a point, I think before 2018, sadly, I was naive. And despite the fact that the word talks about wolves and the word talks about evil. I really took things a lot of times at face value. People say they're a believer. I I believe them. I believe they love Jesus. People say that they're a Christian. I believe they want to walk in integrity and in honesty. And that's where I take responsibility and say, I suffered at times from spiritual laziness. Uh, I did not apply discernment to people and just took them at face value. We can say that's from different experiences in our life where we learn to ignore red flags. But, you know, at some level, I have to take responsibility that I ignored signs that things were not right. People were not who they said they were. And that's something that I really work at now to stay in the word and try to have that discernment of what is God telling me about this situation or these people or this organization? I remember you spending a lot of time 
in the Psalms? You know, God just had incredible things to say about my own situation, about the path that he led Israel through, you know, when it was hard and confusing and people couldn't see where they were going. And at the time I felt like I could not see where this was going. But then, yeah, the spring of 2019, getting into the Psalms, especially like the Davidic Psalms too. You know, David was a complicated guy, but man, he loved the Lord. And he was honest about his feelings. And he was honest about where he struggled and where he grieved and where he lamented. And those were the parts where, you know, just reading those Psalms over and over and over again. Yeah. If you're in a state dealing with deep grief, and you just can't find the words. You can't do any better than praying the Psalms. And even the imprecatory Psalms that are like, God, just level them, take care of it because they are, you know, filling their storehouses and on one hand and with the other hand, hurting people. Oh, they name lands after themselves. That is where um, I've always talked about getting to that place where you go, I have no idea how this is going to work out. I am just sitting here in anticipation to watch what God is going to do. I know God does things beyond our wildest imaginations. And I feel like that's what the Psalms do as well. You just sit here and look at the things that God has said about himself and has said he's going to do and the things he has done. I'm just going to watch him play it out. I know I'm going to be blown away. Even in our first conversation after not talking for so long, both of us separately um, struggling with the relationship with Ramsey Solutions, I remember saying, I've been reading all this stuff about Hybels and McDonald, and I'm afraid this is happening at Ramsey. And I remember you just stood there. You just nodded. And at that, I just started asking you a few questions. Have you read this? And have you read that? And it was so interesting for you to say, I don't, I can't really talk about it right now. But someday I'm going to tell you about how I read the same thing that you just mentioned when I mentioned Diane Langberg, how I had been following her and reading some of her work. And I had mentioned Wade Mullen. I think those were two really key people that were talking during that time. I also mentioned, asked if you had followed any of uh, what Boz Chavidian had been doing. And this is where I, I go back to, too, the fact that God led us to a lot of these resources completely independently. Yeah. We were standing, I think, on a flag football field yep. for that conversation. It was really a testament, I feel like, to God's assurance that he was revealing things. We didn't have to. And I think backing up to, I think, you know, some of the reason for not talking, you know, obviously the manipulation and fear engendered by how a gossip policy can be used to control people is one aspect. But also too, I think all of us have, when we want to honor the Lord, we want to cover over sin that we expect to be repented of. And that was always my hope. Yes, sin was being exposed, but that, you know, that there would be sincere, heartfelt repentance and restoration. My practice had always been to not talk about those things. There was this sense that when repentance and reconciliation happen and everything has been splayed out on the table, other people don't see the repentance and reconciliation and they just remember all the terrible stuff. I wanted time for repentance and reconciliation to happen and hoped that things wouldn't be just thrown out 
to the street for everybody to grovel up all the dirty details. Yeah. And God was really clear at times about what to say and what not to say. You know, eventually I would be under a gag order, but at that point for probably six months, I wasn't, but God was really clear about what to talk about and not to talk about resting in that and resting in learning and reading the Psalms. I think were a huge comfort and insight. Yeah. I think it was a time of learning and a time of practicing restraint, which I think God does with all of us. Yeah. That separate path of learning actually led Nathan and I to independently, apart from anything that any other friends are going through, you included, you didn't tell, you weren't telling us the details of your situation at all. We knew something was wrong. It led us to make our own decision. It's over for us here. We had come to the end of the road. And then after that decision was made, processing all the things. And so you ended up on the other side too. But at that point, I really was like, all right, tell me what just happened. That's another aspect too. Information can be a burden, especially information that will compel you in many ways to act. Yeah. And I knew that I was a steward of this terrible, terrible information. I did not want to burden people that I cared about with this information because I knew it would be a burden. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell anyone, why would I want to burden you with terrible information that would you know, prompt you to have to make some really hard decisions? And that was a lot of the motivation for me not telling anyone and not saying anything to you because I cared about you, cared about your family. You know, so once you know, you had made decisions on your own, then I felt like God had released me to say, okay, here's, here's what's going on. Yeah. I think we need our Enneagram whisperer to explain that to us because (laughs) your instinct is, I don't want to burden someone with this. My instinct is, I don't know what's going on, but I am not going to let her stand by herself, whether she wants me to be there or not. (laughs) But then we really started to dig in because trying to understand. I wanted to understand what what had happened how we got here. I think that's when I, I was like, okay, I want to read about high control group, the, the real inflammatory term the cult, but there's a spectrum of control in organizations. And I really wanted to learn about it. I picked up Steve Hassan's book because he's the cult expert. He is the guy that you go to and seeing some overlap and some people's brains shut off when they hear the word cult. That's unfortunate because I think any place can be unhealthy and on a spectrum of being too controlling. And so I learned a ton of things from that in that same vein, listening to podcasts from places and people that had been connected to high control control groups. So if you are not a reader, let me tell you, there is a treasure trove of free resources. <laughs> if you just want to turn on your Apple podcasts or Google podcasts or Spotify, wherever you do of really interesting stories. And sometimes our brains can process things better. If it's not about a place that we are so personally connected to, that's not to be sneaky with anybody. This is just to say, it might just be easier for you to go and listen to podcasts on Nexium or Scientology. Something that I had realized along the way is that 
organizational control and interpersonal control are very, very similar. Because in reality, an organization is made up of people and systems. Interpersonal abuse is very similar. The, the effects of it, what you see, the signs are very similar to interpersonal abuse. Having that light bulb moment come on to say, oh, abuse is abuse is abuse. Spiritual abuse, domestic violence, church hurt, high control groups. Learning about any one of those things helps you understand all of those right. things. If you forget everything else that Melissa and I talked about today, I hope you noticed this. God was so patient and kind to us as he gave us many opportunities to see what was true and what wasn't. We didn't always get it right, and we're still asking him to show us our blind spots. God's goodness and provision have been a constant theme through all of this. Okay, we shared a lot with you in the last 24 minutes, and unless you've been taking notes, you may have missed a few resources we mentioned. I have a comprehensive list of all the books, podcasts, videos, and authors and speakers in the show notes. You can find them at untangledfaithpodcast.com. I hope you take a minute to check them out. Next week, we'll pick up with part two of my conversation with Melissa, where we talk more specifically and in depth about our favorite and most recommended resources. Our friend Lauren refers to this stack of books and resources as the Spiritual Abuse Recovery Starter Pack. Thanks for listening to this episode of Untangled Faith. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook as Untangled Faith. For transcripts and show notes, check out untangledfaithpodcast.com. On the next episode of Untangled Faith. If you want to understand how abuse can go under the radar for a very long time and how people cannot realize that something is abuse, how abusers work and how cover-ups work and how things can remain hidden for so long is really similar in all of those contexts. God does not want dark things to remain hidden. I knew at some point, I don't want to be one of those people that knows something and never says anything. I just didn't know what the timing was.